Recorded Jack Mangan's Deadpan Podcast Presents An unabridged recording of Deadpan By Jack Mangan Narrated by Jack Mangan And directed by T. Morris This podcast Is copyrighted 2013 By Jack Mangan this recording is copyrighted 2013 by Jack Mangan. Deadpan. At the end of the podcast's run. With its unrest and its preoccupation with American culture provides the backdrop for the story of Jack Mangan and the Deadpan community. Young people in love who deal with tragedy and the newfound pressures and responsibilities of adulthood in drastically different ways. And now, Norwegian... Jack Mangan's Deadpan Podcast. All right, well, it's not Norwegian, but it is Deadpan, and it is Jack Mangan's, at least until uh, someone else takes it over and runs with it. Okay. Um, there's news in Deadpan land. Uh, first, I know it's the middle of summer, but we're still talking about the Stanley Cup because the Chicago Blackhawks won, and that means that Brad P. will be doing the very next... Well, I don't, actually, I shouldn't say that. He will be doing an, an unshow before Deadpan reaches number 288. Brad P. will be doing an unshow. Um, so look forward to that. That should be fun to hear someone else do that. Also, the plan is starting to come together about how the uh, the, the final the final episodes will go because there will be a duel of the fates element and there's been some discussion about it I talked about it in the last unshow but I'll try to be concise I'll try to also write something up and post it on the website um, you know time and uh, I'm not going to give you a bunch of excuses and crap basically how it's going to work is we're going to choose characters there can be as many or as few as as um, the community supports they need to have some tie, however tenuous, to Deadpan's past in some way or another. You can put Uncle Jesse, because we did a Dukes of Hazard thing in episode 10. You can have a character from Scott Sig- a Scott Sigler novel, because Scott Sigler was uh, a guest here, like in episode 3 or 5. Or, uh, it was a really long time ago. You can have uh, Pitfall Harry, Flash Gordon... Otto from Repo Man, uh, Zed from Zardoz. You could have Lemmy from Motorhead because I one of the songs that I've played is a cover of Orgasmatron on my acoustic guitar. Uh, you get where I'm going with this. The five categories for Duel of the Fates are who's the most iconic, who would win in a fight, of course, who was uh, the more impressive love prowess um there's intangibles and then of course there will be a silly rotating category which is not available at this time 
that will be made available during the uh, during the final duel of the fate. So here's what where you come in. You will support one of these characters who are in the duel of the fates tournament that will occur over the last episode or few episodes. You will send me audio, uh, fun audio, fun ideas. You know, please have fun with it. Um, in at least one, but hopefully all five of the categories talking about why the character you support should win. Uh, you can be, again, as succinct as you'd like, or you can be as creative with the soundboard and audacity as you like. And, of course, that's what I encourage. I encourage, you know, you people are hilarious, as you've shown since 2006, and even before that, great senses of humor out there. And let's rally around one more time to to do this to send uh to send off the podcast with some with some style of course i will of course be chiming in and trying to compete with your uh your wit and of course it's the worst way of putting it i'll be chiming in and trying to be witty as well and uh hopefully we'll have fun and hopefully we'll determine the um the character the fictional character or hell that could even be a real person who is you know the duel of the the Duel of the Fates King of Deadpan. However, if let's just get this out of the way, if anyone if anyone chooses me, then I guarantee that they won't win. And also I'm up for discussion. I'll probably do this the way we did it at one of the, the live Deadpan meetups, uh, where I will do the uh I'll be the judge, I'll be the ultimate decider. Since we did start in the George W. Bush era. But, you know, I'm also open to other panelists and other judges. Um, lots, you know, lots of possibilities. Let's just have fun with this. Um, and if it makes no sense, well, then that's also, that's par for the course. But it will become become clearer, and, uh, you know, the more we sculpt away at the big, the big slab of rock, the more it will turn into an actual sculpture. Did that make sense? See, that made no sense either. All right, so Duel of the Fates is coming, and I want you to play along. Hello, this is Curtin St. George. I listen to Jack Mangan's Deadpan podcast, so I don't have to kill people. You don't listen to Jack Mangan's Deadpan podcast? It's not healthy. Just saying, Deadpan is the way. Hello, Deadpan. This is Amy Bowen, a.k.a. the Deadpan Ambassador. This is Amy Bowen's Airport Update, Summer 2013 Edition. I am going to California to visit my family for our annual trip to a town on the Central Coast that we like to go to a lot, that we go to every summer and have been for many years. I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to go on this trip. It is approximately 6.53 a.m. on Saturday, July 13th, 2013. I'm at my home airport in Omaha, got here at about 6.20, and spent 10 or 15 minutes waiting to check in, and about the same waiting for security, probably maybe a little less, and when I got to the gate area, they'd already started boarding for Group A. I've never, well, I've cut it that fine once before in my life, but not, but I don't do that very often. But, I'm, but I still made it in plenty of time. They haven't gotten to my group yet. It's a beautiful morning here. I think everyone was a little astonished to find this many people 
going on outbound flights at this hour on a Saturday morning. My flight leaves at 7.20. I didn't even have enough time to get coffee. They're going to call my group any minute. But that's okay. I was going to have one on the plane anyway. I'll talk to you when I get to my transfer point in Denver. Deadpan is the way. Bye. Do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. There is no spoon? Then you'll see that it is not the spoon that bends. It is only yourself. Alright, this one's got no script, just a concept. We'll see how it turns out. A group of friends sits down at their table at the diner. Just a Joe says to them, Yes! Yes, 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 yes! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. That is absolutely fabulous. It's nice to have confirmation that occasionally the light at the end of the tunnel isn't an onrushing train. Smiley face. Now, Ellipsis, I believe drinks are on you. Retro looks over his menu and says, I can finally spill the beans on my lap, smiley face. So most of you know my running saga of my employment. The economic downturn hasn't been especially kind to architects. After five years of working in a job that pays less than the job I had in 1996, a new offer was extended me from a different architecture firm. I got back my pre-recession pay and vacation hours and 401k and benefits. Plus, there is plenty of upward mobility. And, 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 and the firm is run by real people, not Skeksis. Woohoo! Now I just have to let my current firm know I'm leaving. I should probably wear a helmet. And let me interject with a big congrats, congrats, Rhett. All right, then the waitress comes over and her name tag says, Used Hair. She says, Today on Mutual Omaha's Wild Kingdom, we're going to track the elusive 4G. My assistant Jim will stalk a cell phone tower, wrestle it to the ground, and then sedate it. At that point, I will install a new tracking device so we can monitor this rare creature and encourage its procreation in its natural environment. Then, of course, they realize that their waitress is a waiter. And he says, and he, he takes their orders, and Desert Pixie looks up from her menu and says, For your enjoyment, quote, Ellipsis, Dear straight girl at the gay bar, Ellipsis, when you randomly tried to grind up on my leg, Ellipsis, I'm kind of glad you got a badge full of keys in my pocket, Ellipsis, close quotes. From my gay friend on FB, Ellipsis. Amy Bowen says, LOL at the enthusiastic welcome. Thanks all. Colon, happy colon. I also recorded airport updates on the deadpan voicemail line. Jack, you're welcome. Then the busboy, Lopan, comes by, puts his dirty rag on the table and says, You dug eye for two reasons, and they were both on Haley Atwell. The Energizer Bunny gets indignant and demands to see the manager and says, quote, the plot was a sausage, close quote. The manager, Ditto, comes out and looks at them all, all of the, the diners at the table and says, I didn't like the last Linkin Park album. Ed from Texas stands up from the table and throws down his napkin, outraged, and says, Ach, you people, I do not know you. Pixie, save these unbelievers. 
And Tony Mast, sitting at the next table, says, FYI for the DP community, I just re-upped the hosting account for three more years. So even if Deadpan ends, you'll be able to keep coming around here until at least July of 2016, ellipsis. Unless Jack takes his toys and goes home and deletes the site when it ends, winking smiley. Which is also super awesomely cool of Tony Mast. But when all the diners storm out and get into their cars, the first thing Vanamon says is, I'm trying to avoid Macbeth. Move like butter. 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 Three of the big things. Move like butter. Move like butter. Move like butter. Hello, Deadpan. This is Amy Bowen, a.k.a. the Deadpan Ambassador. This is Amy Bowen's Airport Update, Summer 2013 Edition, Episode Number 2. I landed at Denver International Airport at about 7.45, 7.50 or so local time. It's now just after 8, and my flight to... San Jose, not San Jose, it's going on to San Jose. My flight to Ontario, California, is just now starting to board. I just had time to use the restroom before I had to get to my gate. I'm in boarding group B this time, so I'll be sitting here for a few minutes, but really quick connection, easy to make, no problem. We'll be in Ontario shortly. I'll talk to you when I get there. Bye. All right, so I'm going to beg your indulgence for a minute. I'm going to want to tell you a little bit of a story about a friend of mine. Well, we'll um, we'll call him Latka, for lack of a better name. So Latka, um, in a lot of this stuff you've heard already before. So we'll just kind of just we won't dwell too long on on some of these points. But Latka basically kind of got in on the ground floor of the podcasting fad. Um, not really the ground floor. I mean, it, you know, he was just there when it was hot, and um, he put out a, a book that was actually, you know, a, a very early number one on patio books. He put out a, a podcast novel, and it was very popular. And the book wasn't incredibly long. It was also open ended. Um, you know, it's a complete story, but it's certainly. Well, it certainly left things unresolved. It's kind of Empire Strikes Back like in that way, where where there were some things that you really, really some ans- some questions that really needed to be answered. Anyway, it was like I said, the book did in that small world, it was a success. Um, then there, you know, it was a small series. Well, not a small, but a pretty pretty major series of traumatic life events. And upheavals and changes that uh, kind of prevented, well, I, I don't know, I shouldn't use the word prevented, but distracted Latka from continuing on. And, you know, from continuing to be a writer, um, there were other things that, that needed to be taken care of. A lot of them were family matters. So, you know, his family, he had to keep, to really struggle to keep his family intact. And, of course, this was, this in itself was very, very, taxing and draining in, in a lot of different ways on Latka. Again, you know, we've been over this before, so you know, those of you who've 
who've already seen this film, sorry, for, uh, for the story so far. And so, you know, many years, many, many years of drama and strife and kind of turmoil and upheaval followed. I mean, there, there were certainly periods of stability and tranquility, but, you know, mostly outside forces were, you know, that he'd made the mistake of courting when he was younger, were continuing to create chaos and upheaval. Um, so, now for some people, and actually for the most, most of the most successful authors, writing is, is a job, you know, it's a gig, you know, you, Latka certainly went to work every day, he showed up at the office every day, um, but, you know, for him, writing and, and art in general could never really function that way, he, or he, you know, that was his outlook on it, he could never really make art work as a job so during these times of of incredible stress and you know emotional exhaustion and fatigue you know he found that he didn't really have it in have it in the tank and you know people over the years my deadpan has a first name it's j-a-c-k my deadpan has a second name, it's M-A-N-J-N. Oh, I love to listen every day, and if you ask me, well, I'll say. Cause Jack Mangan has a way with D-E-A-D-P-A-N. How's that? Would ask him about getting a sequel to that to that book that was popular. And, uh, you know, we all, it kind of became a, a... As years and years went by and it didn't come out, it kind of became a, a, a long-running joke. But really, you know, sometimes he would give this as an answer. Sometimes he'd give kind of a glib reply. Sometimes he would go into details. But really, the answer always has been when things stabilize. When I can shift my focus from these other chaotic elements, from these these threats to my family and to my family's happiness and peace, you know, back to uh, to writing... You know, that's when the sequel will happen. That's when I'll get back to really, really being more prolific as a writer. You know, when I can think clearly is what he would say, not me. When Lotka would say, he would say, when I can think clearly. Because you see, you know, Lotka had heard or he'd read a quote once from Cormac McCarthy, who's uh, the author of The Road and uh, Blood Meridian and other really dark, dense, deep, brilliant late 20th century, you know, novels. Most of them, not all of them, most of them set in the American uh, the American Old West. Of course, No Country for Old Men was set in modern times. But anyway, and of course, The Road also was set in sort of a post-apocalyptic future. Anyway, he had said about writing, you know, that it's... I. I this is a huge paraphrase, but something along the lines of how writing, you know, great writing is something that's really, really a huge emotional struggle where you, in Cormac McCarthy's words, you know, they put you on the verge of suicide to, uh, over this manuscript that you want to crank out. Now, of course that's an extreme, and, and I don't think he meant it literally anyway, no pun intended, but uh, that's extreme. But of course, Lotka understood that that's for him it felt like writing, at its best, at its finest, is an emotional chore. It's not, you know, and it's one that's accepted gladly and taken on gladly. It is putting oneself through an emotional ringer to bring out these characters, to bring out their emotions, and bring out the best language possible to describe 
the settings and the scenes and the hopefully realistic, believable emotion, you know, characters that have real emotions and are real people and, and often in fiction endure, you know, true emotional strife, sometimes extreme emotional strife and struggle. But when there's extreme emotional strife from other areas, like such as, you know, protection of his children, then that's, um, then that makes it very difficult to be creative in other ways. That, that pretty much, it drains the gas tank, to use the obvious metaphor. There's nothing left in the tank for writing. I mean, forget about time, actual, you know, minute to minute time to sit with ass in chair and get the writing done. You know, he just was too emotionally exhausted and drained. Now, as the years wore on, um, the people who enjoyed the book, some of them held on to hope for a sequel coming. Some of them still do, and that includes Latka. But most kind of moved on, found other things to entertain themselves. And also they they enjoyed the weekly podcast that he worked he worked at you know with varying degrees of of effort to put to to release and some of the episodes of that were incredibly fun and some were you know if he can modestly say so were were really well done and they were fun to put together and they were some of his some i don't know some of his his good creative work they were him employing his creativity in small bursts so that you know emotional the emotional toll was manageable because it was small bursts. It wasn't a long session of writing, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of words, or even a hundred thousand words. It was just writing a podcast segment. So, so you know, people were able to kind of enjoy that. And again, you know, of course, friends were made. Some were lost over the years, but in general, everyone was very supportive. In fact, here's a story about when Latka met Scott Sigler at, at Dragon Con, who is a, a, just a fantastic guy, so this should not at all be misinterpreted as a slight on him or a negative story about him, because I think it's a good story about him. So at a, at a party at Dragon Con, um, Scott Sigler asked Latka about that sequel. And Latka said, well, you know... I have reasons. I so, said, you know, I, I recognize that that the sequel is due, but you know, I do have personal reasons. And I'm not going to say that they're. I'm not going to use them as as excuses. And Scott said, "Well, come on, you know, tell, let me know anyway." And of course, Scott had had a few drinks at this point, and um, so Vladka said, "Okay." Well, you know, there's a situation going on with my kids, and Scott Sigler interrupted him. And, again, he'd had a few. And he says, well, fuck you. I don't care. I just want my sequel. I want this, I want the next story. That's what your readers think. And um, now, of course, the situ- that, that earned Latka a hug from, a sympathetic hug from Soccer Girl. So, you know, wasn't so bad. And, of course, also Latka realized that Scott Sigler truly does understand what the true priority is. I mean, Scott Sigler, like I said, he's a good guy. He was trying to make a point, and his point was valid. 
that to make it as a pro, you know, the readers don't care. Really, they want you to find a way no matter what. And that's why Scott Segler did make it as a pro. Not because he was trampling people who need and ignoring people who needed him, but because he, he knew what it took to make it as a pro. And so again, Laka took it, took his message in the proper, in the way it was intended. You know, and, and again, good for him for, uh, for trying to give Latka a kick in the ass to get that sequel done. Jack Mangan's deadpan. But the coolest thing to hit your computer since you spilled that cold soda last week. I guess in a roundabout way, this is kind of to say that when his podcast does finally come to an end, it doesn't mean that the next week you should expect that sequel to his novel, which was called um, Cubic Tommy. But he'd like you to know that it's something he does still dream of, something he does still storyboard in his head, something he does still draft in his head, and something that hopefully will see the light before uh, before we all grow so old that we that we've completely forgotten about it. And, you know, he does appreciate those of you who who have hung around all these years and those of you who, who still remember that story about the, the programmer girl. All right, and, you know, I was going to weave into that something about the song Desolation Row by Bob Dylan, but, you know, we'll try and get to that before 288. But thank you. Uh, and you've heard lots of stories like this over the years through the dead band. Hopefully not too, too often. Fuck, but... Um, but thank you for listening. Oh, and Latka thanks you. Thank you very much. Hello, Deadpan. This is Amy Bowen, a.k.a. the Deadpan Ambassador. This is Amy Bowen's Airport Update, Summer 2013 Edition, Episode Number 3. I just landed at Ontario Airport, kind of far out. Have walked almost all the way to the escalators now. And I imagine my... Mom will be waiting for me at the bottom of the escalator. It's the same as it ever was. It's a beautiful day out here. And now I get to stand six hours in a car. But I've done it many, many, many times. And so I'm kind of looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to my week of vacation. This will be a six-episode edition, but episodes four, five, and six will not be coming for until week after next, because I'm staying out here for 10 days and not flying back until Tuesday, July 23rd. I'll talk to you then. Bye.